Welcome to Beyond the Ocean. Here's a clip from today's guest. The Waikai City Wave is going to be 100 feet wide, which is basically 100 feet of down-the-line surfing that you'll be able to do before you have to do a turn. And the city waves that I've surfed in the past have all been 30 feet wide. And every time I've surfed a 30-foot wide wave, I've always thought, man, if there's just another 10 or 15 feet more, we'd be just flying on this thing. Caught my first tube this morning. Welcome to Beyond the Ocean, the podcast exploring surf parks and the impact of technology on the future of surfing. We speak with technology leaders, investors, operators, and surfing legends to explore this exciting new movement. I'm your host, Chris Klusner. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. This is a very special episode where we interview Mr. Shane Beshin, former professional surfer and surf park entrepreneur. I'm joined in this episode by Dr. Jess Ponting, head of research from Surf Park Central, as we interview Shane about his work with Waikai, the new project on Oahu, the new surf park being built, as well as Revel Surf, the exciting new project out of Arizona, which we just heard about recently. So without further ado, please join me for this wide-ranging conversation with Shane Beshin, surf park entrepreneur. Shane, welcome to Beyond the Ocean. Uh, I'm Chris from Surf Park Central, joined here by Jess Ponting from Surf Park Central as well, and we're so stoked to have you on the show today. Right on, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, just kicking us off, uh, like we do on every episode, wanted to have you, uh, you know, your reputation precedes yourself, your professional surfing career and your entrepreneurial work in surf parks. Uh, for example, your involvement with the Waikai project, which we'll get into today. But just by way of background, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name's Shane Bestian. I'm 49 years old. I've been surfing for basically 40 years and, you know, been in and around surfing, the surf industry, the sport for basically, yeah, the last 40, 45 years. I've worn a lot of different hats throughout that time. You know, I've been a competitor, an amateur surfer, a professional surfer, a coach, company owner and marketing director. So (laughs) I've got to see a a lot of ins and outs of the surf industry and surfing has been an incredible gift to my life. It's basically brought me everything that I have to date and also a lot of fun and joy in the process. And you you live uh, in Hawaii now, is that right? Yeah, I've been living in Hawaii for about uh, 25 years. Uh, North Shore? Yeah, North Shore. (laughs) Amazing. And uh, yeah, I would love to have you tell us a little bit more about, and again, we're going to get into all the details, but just from a sort of high level, could you describe your work in the surf park industry? As a professional surfer, A long time ago, I always dreamed about like what's going on today, you know, as far as like, you know, creating wave pools. And for me at the time, it was more of a selfish thing of like eliminating luck from surfing contests, you know, because there is a lot of luck involved in in competitive surfing with the ocean. 
Um, you're just dealing with an uncontrollable factor that acts in such a weird way that you can really never depend on catching waves or having an exact strategy, you know, and, and that tends to uh, create wins within surfing that, you know, sometimes maybe one guy's surfing better, but loses because he didn't get the, the amount of waves or whatever. So for me, it was always a, a fantasy of like, well, this would be the sickest way to compete because it eliminates all luck. And now it's a skill based only, you know? So um, that was my original interest. And, you know, as I moved out of my professional surfing career, the wave pool industry was just starting to, you know, have pieces and rumblings and uh, stuff that it was basically going to happen. And yeah, so I, you know, I wanted into this into the wave pool industry, you know, and I knew I just just had this feeling that it was going to be something big someday, you know, and just for the fact that how many people would love to surf, you know, and and how few waves there are available for people out there. Yeah, it started with, uh, I met a few different groups and, you know, like in the beginning, you know, it's like the wild west, you know, everyone had a tech, you know, everyone was, you know, promising the world and, you know, claiming deals. And <laughs> it was actually really funny how many non-real opportunities there were <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was years of going through like different groups and the first real wave pool I went to was in Germany for the city wave. And at the time, the city wave, it wasn't that good. And, uh, you know, but the cool thing was we we're in this airport in Germany and there's, you know, it was just in this such a tight vicinity. And although the wave wasn't that good at the time, the entertainment value was incredible. Like I was just like, we were there for like five days and we just stayed in the airport and just, they had the wave set up in between the two terminals from that point, I started talking to Rainer and even seeing the value in that product. And uh, Rainer's the owner and inventor of CityWave. And basically, I started, you know, talking to him about ideas to make the wave better. And we basically went to Germany about five years in a row. And each year, we'd talk about ideas, you know, how to evolve the wave and make it better, at, you know, for what it was. And over the course of those five years, the wave got a lot better, actually it evolved into a really fun wave for like doing turns and, and just, you know, basically like standard surfing, you know, although, you know, a lot of the kids are doing aerials and varials and kick flips and stuff like that on the wave now. So as I saw that evolution, you know, I, I became more and more of a believer and, and one of the main, seriously, like one of the main things that persuaded me to really go all in was just those five years, you know, I was bringing my sons, Noah and Coda, and they had a blast like us as a family like we had a blast you know hanging at an airport for five days in germany you know and and each time i would come back i would just think like man if this was in miami beach or anywhere in the united states it would be popping you know because just because of the differential of the closeness of the viewing you know like literally like you could you're like feet away you're like you can basically reach out and touch people from a dry point the city wave is a uh, standing wave and uh actually my my first ever uh, out of ocean surfing experience was in the eisbach river in germany oh, and yeah. I, I understand the city wave is designed and operates kind of in a similar way to that natural river wave where it 
it hits a standing point, forms a wave, and you go back and forth with a wall on both sides. Is that right? Is that how you describe the city wave? Yeah, totally. So Rainer did invent the city wave off of the icebox. There's actually a huge surfing population in Germany from the icebox, which I found to be really incredible too. The cool thing about this standing wave is it's deep water. You know, it's slower moving and it's about two feet deep. So that was another thing that really got me on board was that we were able to ride our real boards. You know, you weren't riding like a skim board or a boogie board. I mean, you can like riding a boogie board with your kids and having fun is like super fun too. But like the fact that you could ride a real surfboard with real fins made it way more legitimate for me as like a, a real option for uh, venues. So yeah, that's definitely uh, where it came from. It was invented by Rainer. It was invented as a modification of the Icebach River. And yeah, it's a standing wave and and the standing waves are measured in width. And that's basically the distance you can ride from wall to wall, like sideways. So you're riding this wave and it's more of a sideways. Instead of, you know, like the ocean, you catch a wave outside and you ride it like inward. This, you're just going back and forth, you know. So the cool thing is the action never stops, you know. So in this, in these types of venues, the wave's constantly going. There's always someone riding. And that's that's another big difference from a lot of the surf parks that I've been to. It's, like, it's just like that downtime of, you know, when there's no waves, it just kind of everything stops. And, every, you know, it's just kind of quiet and everyone's waiting. So that's a really cool thing about the city wave is that it's just someone's always going. It's just always entertaining and just action-packed. That's awesome. And so so you you go to Germany, you spend five days there, you kind of fall in love with the idea of uh, a standing wave or just any sort of surf park. What, what happens from there? What, what did you do when you got back from Germany and sort of what came next in your surf park journey? Well, basically, the first time I went to Germany, I met my friend and partner now, uh, Matt Ruzica. He works for CEM Water Tech. It's uh, basically they build water parks and all kinds of water related facilities. And we hit it off really good. And he was there investigating the city wave for different projects that he was working on. And I was there, you know, interested in the wave pool industry. And uh, we basically, over the next few years, we were there every year. And so we became really close. And after a few years, we basically talked to Rainer about, you know, kind of like an agency distribution type deal where we help bring the products, the CityWay product to the United States. And so then we put that deal together with Rainer and then we just, you know, started hitting the pavement and seeing what we could put together. It took years and years and years. And, you know, like I said, a lot of the first five, six, seven times, you know, that I was talking about deals and stuff. I was getting really excited, you know, but after those six, seven deals fell through each time, then uh, I learned uh, how fragile, you know, starting this industry is. And uh, it really takes the right visionaries right now at this moment, you know, as, as things progress and, and these surf parks become more proven, you know, like even something that was resonated with me over the course of this last year was, Waco was booked, you know, and in the midst of COVID and all this stuff, that wave pool was booked 24-7. And to me, that was a, a great sign of like, okay, 
the people, they want it. They're going, they're flying there, they're driving there and they're surfing. To me, that was just a great sign for the surf park, you know, surf resort, surf venue, arena that's basically being built as we speak. <laughs> yeah, super exciting and um, similarly exciting to hear about the Waikai project, which you're intimately involved with. It is the world's largest city wave deployment. And I, as I understand it, construction has begun. Would love to get your uh, overview of the Waikai project. And I'm sure we'll come back and get, in it, get into more detail about it. Yeah, the Waikai project is basically our first project we've gotten over the line. And in the course of you know us putting deals together and moving through this industry or trying to put deals together, we, we met John Luff. Uh, who is one of the founders of Surf Park Central. And uh, basically, um, myself and Matt, we hit it off with John, and he came in and started working with us as a, as part of our team. And he was a, a key ingredient in getting this Waikai project over the line. And so basically, we had our first meetings like years ago with Waikai, and we've been working on this project for the last few years. And just, you know, recently we got the final approval, which was incredible <laughs> because really like Matt, like I said, myself and my partner, Matt, we've been, you know, working on trying to get a deal across the line for probably like eight years, you know, so it's, it takes a long time, you know, and uh, I'd, I'd be curious to push more on that. Like what makes it so hard to get a wave pool, a surf park or wave pool built? You know, if you could break that down for many in our listener group here have done it or are doing it but for those who haven't like how does it take eight years well like i said you know it's a really sexy idea but you need someone with you know that vision and basically some balls to like go for it you know because it does take a lot of money it takes a lot of land it takes a big commitment and in this previous eight years it was just starting you know so it was like it was an unproven venture and that's basically what i think why it takes so long to get projects across the line but in saying that as more projects come across the line and show themselves successful i think that process will get easier and you know it'll get to a point where you know people are like saying no 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 we already have a surf park in that area (laughs) you know so I think there'll be a tipping point where, you know, they'll just go like, woof, and, you know, they'll be trying to pop up all over. But yeah, you know, in the beginning, just like anything, you know, it's, you have to create, you know, maybe you don't, you're not creating the market because there's so many surfers in the world, but to the money people, you know, they're looking at it as surfing, like what, you know? So I think the evolution of the sport of surfing, especially in the last five years of just the impact of who surfing reaches now has grown as well, you know, and, and that growth has reached into the older businessman, you know? So yeah, as time moves forward, I think it'll become easier and easier to get these projects. Totally agree. And specifically Waikai is it's on the South shore, Western coast of Oahu. It's on the beginning of the West side. So it'll be in Eva beach. Shane, I'm interested in how important all the components of the lineup, which is uh, the name of the, the broader project there, right, at YK, it seems to have um, a lot of bells and whistles and moving parts and have been really thought through as an attraction. 
So the, the wave pool is one part, but there's a lot of other moving pieces. How important was that in getting the project up and going? I, I mean, I personally think those moving pieces are really important for the success of all surf parks moving forward because, yeah, you're creating a destination, you know, and, and with Waikai, the lineup is kind of the parent of all the entities within Waikai. And basically there's the lookout, which is a, a restaurant bar and grill that looks, this basically looks right down on the wave. So the viewing from that is going to be incredible. And then you have a foam. It's going to be like another little coffee shop area. And then there's going to be like a renowned chef that's going to have a restaurant in there. There's going to be the Waikai Lagoon, and which is going to offer like stand-up paddling and canoeing and stuff like that. There'll be a volleyball court area. There'll be a, a nice grass opening for um, local markets, farmer markets and stuff like that. So yeah, like I was just saying, the evolution of surfing has grown into you know greater demographics and i think with this venue you know like when we first announced this waikai wave project in hawaii you know like i had to answer a lot of questions of like are you kidding me like why would you put a wave pool in hawaii you know like that's the best waves in the world there and blah 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 you know and you know what i've tried to like tell people it's not this venue the waikai venue it's not just a surf park, you know, it's going to be more of a surfing lifestyle entertainment venue, you know, where they'll be, you they'll be able to do fashion shows, movie premieres, live music, you know, market event, pop-up market events, surf contests. So it's really about creating an entertaining zone that a lot of people can go to and have something to do, you know, because a lot of people now are family surfers, you know, like even some of the moms are surfing and stuff, you know, but if mom's not surfing and she wants to, you know, go take a cruise on the lagoon or go shopping or, you know, whatever it may be, I think it's important to have something for everyone at these venues. And I think Waikai is really going to nail that down, especially for Hawaii. There's not going to be any other venues in Hawaii that are like this at all. Yeah, I think you've done a, a really great job of putting that together right from the outset. I think we've seen places like Surf Snowdonia evolve to that over years of being open, but uh, you've got all those pieces in place right from the, from the kickoff, so that's exciting. Can you tell us a little more about the wave itself? Because, I mean, sh- sure, there's city waves, but this is on uh, kind of another level. Can you talk a little bit about the, the scale of the wave itself? Yeah, so the Waikai City Wave is going to be 100 feet wide, which is basically 100 feet of down-the-line surfing that you'll be able to do before you have to do a turn. And the City Waves that I've surfed in the past have all been 30 feet wide. And every time I've surfed a 30-foot wide wave, I've always thought, man, if there's just another 10 or 15 feet more, we'd be just flying on this thing. So... To go three times wider than a 30-footer is, uh, I think it's just going to create almost like a point break style wave where you can go down the line as long as you want almost before you really want to do your turn. And it's going to really allow for a lot of learning for your average surfers because the wave is really good for turns. Once you learn the dynamic of a standing wave, which 
it's not that hard to really it's basically not going too high to the bottom or the top you know the middle is the sweet spot where you're going to get your speed and have your power to do turns and stuff and once you learn that that kind of how the wave works which is very very similar to almost any wave in the ocean you know like anytime you go to a new surf spot or reef spot or point or whatever you're you're learning and adapting to how that spot breaks, you know? So this is basically the same thing. You're just learning how to ride a different wave. Once you learn that aspect of it, then the turns that you're doing are very similar to the ocean, you know, it basically feels exactly the same, you know? And at that point, the repetition factor is incredible with the city wave because, you know, like guys can go surfing in Cali and, you know, the waves aren't that good and it's crowded you're fighting for waves and you may only get a handful of waves where you could get a good turn on you know whereas you're going to do an hour session on this wave and you're going to do hundreds of turns and your legs are going to be fried and all those turns and that technique that you're using to do those turns and get better at that is going to directly translate the next time you go surf so yeah, it's a really cool thing in that way. And and also like the whole like coaching aspect is incredible in the fact that someone can surf a wave, get out, and as they go back and they're waiting in line for their next turn, you can literally like take them through a couple pointers and then they can go try it, you know, in a, in a minute or two, and, you know? So um, I've, I've actually tried that with my friend Aaron Lieber. We did a, I have a video, we did like a a three session video of him, you know, the first time he could barely do it. The second time he was starting to do a couple of turns. And the third time he was after three times already, he was, his turns were like, you know, three, four five times better. <laughs> I think I'll bring a lot of fun and value to surfers. You know, it was really interesting to hear you um, elaborate on that. Cause I've been wondering about the training potential. Clearly it's there. Is it, something that you think is better suited to beginners and people learning to do their turns or is there real high performance training potential with this type of wave as well? Yeah. I mean, well, the amount of turns you get to do is incredible. So I think the learning is crazy, you know, because we can run a bar across one of the sections and they can be on a soft top and hold on to a bar and then let go when they're ready and, and really start to feel that water under their feet. And then slowly just move up to riding straight, to riding sideways, turning. So the progression for beginners is incredible. You know, like you can take a beginner from going straight, just learning how to stand up to probably doing turns and, you know, probably 10 sessions, you know, so that aspect's cool. But then also for the recreational surfer, I think it's a huge benefit because so many recreational surfers have little body habits that they do that they may not know even know they do they probably don't know they do it that, that kind of hinders them from like getting better these are all little things that can be ironed out on the city wave real fast you know and with the amount of repetition they get they get to actually try it over and over and really like have a chance at changing some habits i'll jump in because i'm kind of curious about this point how, how would you think or how would you recommend to someone who already surfs is trying to hit that next level of performance, thinking about city, you know, going to Waikai when it opens versus going to one of the other wave parks and more of, um, there are other wave technologies that are not standing wave, but are more like an ocean wave. How do you think about a mix of different surf park technologies for someone who's trying to level up performance? I think all the surf technologies offer 
something positive for surfers, you know, um, just like there's all kinds of waves in the ocean, you know, like the learning never ends in the ocean. And I think, you know, eventually surf parks will be like that as well. You know, like Waco has, you know, helped aerial surfing tremendously, you know, like so many kids have gotten better at aerials from surfing Waco and doing a few sessions on the air wave over there. And then, you know, like Slater's Wave, there's people that have, you know, gotten the rides of their life. I did a coaching there, thing there a couple of years ago, and this guy had never surfed before, but he'd done wake surfing, and we pushed him into a couple of waves, and he literally got the longest <laughs> wave of his life. So I think a lot, you know, like a lot of people, the traditionalists, I guess you could say, get hung up on like, oh, you know, surfing's for the ocean only, and, you know, like it's you know this and that and have all this negative stuff to say but honestly like to me it's just fun if someone goes and surfs a surf park you know anyone any wave technology and has a blast that can't be wrong you know like that's a that's a good thing <laughs> as far as i'm concerned <laughs> i think there's all kinds of things to learn from every wave out there you know and, and that's the cool thing about surfing that just never ends you know no matter how long you surf, how good you are, you're always learning. And then a uh, follow-up question to that, what, what's the vibe you expect to create from like a local local surfer community around Waikai in particular? How do, and how do you think about what are some best practices for how to think about building in a community where there is a population of local surfers? You know, are there ways to get them involved, for example? Yeah, well, we're definitely going to do, you know, like Kamaina rates and stuff like that. But then we also want to do like some fun local events. We want to, you know, host art shows and photo shows and stuff. With all, there's so many local artists and photographers. So there's a lot of strategies that we have to embrace and include the, the local community. And I think that's what's, you know, our whole goal with this actually is to focus on the local business because a lot of people that come to Hawaii now are kind of moving away from the Waikiki scene and want to get realer experiences and like venture out, you know, and um, I just think having that energy of, you know, having the right guys, the watermen that are taking people on paddle tours, the lifeguards and coaches, they're all just cool, good surfers, good watermen. And uh, I think that's really going to help create the ambiance of the venue and and make it so that locals want to come but then also it draws the tourists because you know tourists come to hawaii to get that taste of the hawaiian culture and stuff right on maybe we can step back and think about the actual nuts and bolts of the putting the project in the ground itself you know it was interesting you were saying of the the opportunities to work with the community I want to start maybe with the construction timeline and then maybe we can circle back and, and talk about any lessons learned of working with the community and engaging with them to get them on board with such a project. So what are we looking at with construction timeline at the moment? And have there been any interesting elements pop up through the course of that construction that have thrown curveballs your way? This seems like every step of the way there's curveballs, you know, and just from building a house myself in the last year that's basically building is curveballs <laughs> it's just every day there's problem solving and challenges that you have to solve and and figure out the best way forward you know so i i, I would say just in general like keep expectations low and keep patience high <laughs> you know like that's the best 
mind state to go into any surf projects really <laughs> excellent how how's it looking construction wise when when are you expecting to be completed and opened uh, that date isn't exact i mean they're saying 2022 but um my best guess would be towards the end of 2022 they have started building so that's that's a good sign and it's been actually they've been doing construction for like the last month or two so they've they're into it the last thing i heard they were uh doing the steel and getting ready to pour the actual pool so they're moving full steam ahead and uh yeah hopefully by the end of 2022 we'll, we'll be riding some waves wonder if we can circle back to that notion of the the community hawaii has a community that can be sensitive to different types of development how did you go about getting sufficient support to move ahead with a project in a community like that? Honestly, that aspect of it, like going to the community board meetings and stuff, I wasn't involved with, but I was involved with the ideas of focusing on the local community and focusing on bringing opportunity to Hawaii. Hawaii can be sensitive, but I mean, really, like anyone that's doing a, a big project has to be sensitive of where they're doing it, you know, and how they're going to better the place that they're putting the project in, you know. So I think, you know, if every potential project thinks of it in that way, it's going to help tremendously in them getting it across the line because everyone has to be involved, you know, and, and if it's done right, the venue is going to bring opportunity to a lot of people within the community through every aspect of what will happen. You know, like you have job opportunities for lifeguards, waiters, construction, you know, and then after that, you'll have, you'll be having like food deliveries, Ubers, you know, there's just it. If you dropped a, a penny in the water, it would, you know, ripple out to a lot of people you know, as a, a wave park surf venue gets built, you know, and, and depending on what they include in it, it, that can even radiate farther out to, you know, hotels and, and just imagine how many people a hotel hires, you know, so, and different jobs, you know, within that. So, um, yeah, I think if it's done right, it definitely is built to enhance the community and bring opportunity and also, um, you know, just create a, a new, fun and exciting place for that community that's going to bring energy, tourism, jobs, opportunities. I think if it's done right, it, it becomes a win-win a for everybody. How many people are required to run a facility? You know, once it's open, how many people are required to run a facility like that, assuming that the hotel thing comes through? Is, is it like... 15 people, 150 people, just trying to get a sense of the scale. Waikai currently isn't adding a hotel. There will be a hotel included in Cannon Beach in Arizona. So I'm not sure exactly how many people for the first phase of Waikai they'll be employed, but I would guess in the 20 to 30 range at least minimum, you know, and that's you know, that's if I'm just counting waiters and just the people you see, you know, there's probably another 20, 30, 40, 50 people behind the scenes, you know, deliveries and all that stuff that'll be involved as well. It's, it's a much bigger facility than you realize when you start to unpack it like that. I mean, it's not, 
the my only other experience is like a guy turning on the machine and a guy helping you get out when I was yeah. testing a facility. This is a whole different ball game. Yeah, there'll be a lot of moving parts and you know, each section is gonna have its own team. So yeah, there'll be there'll be some job opportunities for sure. Cool. But it's it sounds like yeah, we should transition and hear a little bit more about uh Revel. So Revel Surf Parks. That's going to be basically the surf park side of Cannon Beach, which is another surf park venue that just got approved. They um, basically approved the first phase, which is to build the wave pool just recently. So that's, that was really exciting for us. It looks like they're going to do a groundbreaking here in the next month or so. So that's uh, really exciting. No, it's, it's incredible to eight, nine years after the fact to see to see things happening. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, Revel Surf Parks because this is going to, we're going to be introducing a brand new, I don't want to say brand new technology because it might have aspects of different technologies, but there's definitely some aspects within our technology that make it very dynamic and especially in the, in the uh, energy sector. Our full bore wave pool paddle and wave is going to use about the same or even less than the city wave. Yeah, that's going to be a really uh, exciting thing because the energy we're going to be using is not a lot, uh, you know, according to what people are using across the board. So in that aspect, it's really good because it also, you know, that just helps the performers as well. Like the lower the energy costs, the running costs, you know, the more, play you have to mess with pricing and you know create a, a really fun fair experience for people and then just in energy usage in general you know like we're going to be avoiding those those peak power points that really you know send your carbon footprint and your energy costs over the line so we're going to be coming under those those peak outages or uh, power Arizona is going to be swell manufacturing technology. And I'm excited for this because this is going to be a paddling technology. We're going to have barrels, airs. Basically, the sequencing for the system is infinite. <laughs> There's so many things that you can manipulate to change the wave that we basically got to like 10 waves. And, and John was like, you know, you can, we can do this for years years and years i was like okay well let's let's have 10 good ones and then uh, we'll take it from there <laughs> but um so that's really exciting and the fact that we're going to be able to just basically create waves what's the timeline on construction there shane you said it's uh, it's getting underway that's pretty exciting with a, a whole new technology the world hasn't uh, seen in action before yet Honestly, I want to give a big shout out to Cole Cannon, who's the developer of Cannon Beach. He was friends with my partner, Matt Gunn, and he had been doing various developments in Arizona and stuff. And basically, Matt showed him, showed him the technology, brought me in, and we talked to him about the whole vision of you know, what this venue could look like. He just went for it, you know, like so... That's what I was telling you about. You have to have people that are have the money, but also have the vision and the means to get this stuff done. You know, and right now it's as you know, as the infant stages of the surf parks. You know, it's a lot harder to find those people. And for us, we we're really lucky to find Cole because 
he gets it. He's a visionary. He went for it. You know, all of a sudden he had the land, he got the land. It's in an incredible location in uh, Mesa, Arizona. It's basically 30 minutes from Phoenix airport and it's close to uh, Gilbert, which is another prominent town in Arizona and lots of kids, people, colleges. So it's a, it's a really good area. And I think it's just going to, it's just going to be an incredible addition for Arizona in general. Matt, my partner told me that um, a lot of surfers live in Arizona just from over the years of California getting so expensive and Arizona is still just like a, I guess, a four to six hour drive away. So there's a huge surfing population in Arizona. So um, yeah, we're really excited to bring some waves for those guys over there. Uh, It's going to be very cool. Have you run into any issues with um, water and entitlements around that in a fairly arid location like Arizona? My partner, Matt's been dealing with the water, but they have it wrapped up. You know, they have a, they have a good handle on how they're, how they're going to get the water. And, and that's another thing that, you know, the, the keyboard bullies love to harp on, you know, how could surfers create a venue that's just so toxic and, wasting water and energy and all that stuff. And and for me, I just want to put it out there that every project that we do, we are, we're, you know, taking every action to make these venues as green as possible. What most people don't realize is that a surf park or a, a wave pool, it takes about the same amount of water and energy as a one hole of a golf course. <laughs> And that was realized through some other projects that I was consulting with, you know, that was a major issue. They did the research. Yeah. So, I mean, if you add up every 18 hole golf course in the country, you know, like surf parks aren't really taking up that much energy and creating such a bad carbon footprint as people think. I think there's also been projects in other arid locations that have shown there's ways to achieve a level of water neutrality by the project removing turfed areas if they're if they're in a built-up area or adjacent to a golf course that can equal the amount of water that's being used in the pool so i know through the work i'm doing with stoke certified where we have the sustainability standard for surf parks that that's one of the things we're looking at is how do you achieve water neutrality in arid environments and looks like it can be done Yeah. And I think just as solar moves forward, I think the technology for solar is just going to get better and better. And, you know, I've even been seeing like fuel cells and like, was it Greg Weber at the Surf Park Central that was doing that, that centralized energy system where he's like burning trash, but creating clean energy. Like it was Nev Hyman actually. Oh, Nev. Sorry. Yeah, it was Nev. And that was a really far out project that he was working on as well you know so i feel like in the next 10 years there's going to be new and cleaner sources of energy that will even allow these surf parks to be more and more green i'll plug in my peloton bike and uh, keep the lights on for you guys over here from the east coast and uh for canon is there going to be um a hospitality component and or uh any residential components to that park So Cannon Beach, I'm not sure if they're going to have residential, but there is going to be a hotel there. So there's not a lot of hotels in that area. And so 
there will be a hotel. There will be a, like a cool like retail vibe, restaurant, bars. Though there's going to be like a full performance center, which is I'm really excited about because we're going to create like a really unique type of performance center with you know alternative training ways. Cole's like super into climbing, and I'm into like you know doing like these airbags and trampolines, and so uh, there's going to be like a a full spectrum of activities within Cannon Beach that I'm really excited about. Because the hotel is actually a lot of the rooms in the hotel are gonna like overlook the wave, so I just think that's that's just crazy in itself. You know, someone being able to go to stay at a hotel in Arizona and look out their window and watch people surf—that's just an incredible thing. <laughs> sure. Do you guys at Revel have any plans for additional installations at this point? We're really focused on this first one, obviously, but. If things go well, then yeah, there's definitely room for additional Rebel surf parks in the future and other locations. As we close out here, you know, you've definitely gone on a journey here. It sounds like for the better part of a decade of, and you're one of the few who have found the right teams with the right vision to make these things actually start to happen. So it's amazing. And congratulations. Do you, do you have any tips or advice? For our other developer, community members, people just getting into the space even, for how they can best get involved or be successful with their own development projects. It's about finding the right team, for sure. I definitely wouldn't have been able to do any of this on my own. You know, like John Love, my partner, Matt Rizika, these guys have, you know, been crucial in this whole journey and definitely couldn't have done it without them. So. Yeah, finding the right people and, and just in general in life, you know, you just want to find people that you get along with, that, you know, lift you up, you lift them up, you know, it's, to me, it's just real basic, you know, it's like creating win-win situations, win-win business deals, like everyone's got to feel like they're winning or, or something goes wrong, you know, and with the new opportunity in surf parks, you know, like if, if you're interested in getting involved in surf parks, I just start reaching out to the different venues. Cause as, as things expand, there's just going to be more and more opportunity in the next 10 years, you know, like this, this last 10 years was the frontier of just, you know, trying to get these things going and up and running and, and showing a successful business model I think the next 10 years is going to be like the expansion years of where they start popping up and a lot of opportunity comes to fruition. Well, amazing. Thanks for taking the time again to chat with us. And uh, hopefully this new format of both Jess and myself wasn't too clunky. We sure had fun with it. Thank you. And I can't wait to come and uh, visit you out there in Hawaii when it's safe to do so and uh, eventually get out on that, uh, that Waikai wave. That'd be awesome. Yeah. For sure. We'll get you guys out there for sure. <laughs> Stuff. And congratulations, Shane. You know, we've been watching you for most of that 10 years, plugging away. It's uh, really gratifying to see these things come to fruition. So my hat's off to you for your uh, for your tenacity at sticking with it. Congratulations, man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm still not uh, even le- letting myself celebrate yet, really. <laughs> Just from the journey I've gone through, it's like I'm super excited these things are getting across the line, but I think uh, – the real celebration will happen when, you know, we're riding the wave and it's like, okay, this thing's ready to go. (laughs) 
expectations low, work uh, work ethic high. <laughs> Not easy making waves, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> well, thanks again, Shane. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for doing this. And uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, here's Chris again. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. For those of you who want more information on surf parks and the topics covered in these episodes, Surf Park Central's Insider Membership might be for you. Insiders are people serious about surf parks and the organizations they represent. You can join Insiders for a monthly membership fee and rewatch all the surf park summits that have ever happened. You can get transcripts, access to research reports and white papers, even see webinars with special guests like those who visit us on this podcast. So check out surfparkcentral.com insiders to learn more about this exclusive professional community for surf parks. Check it out, surfparkcentral.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do leave us a review if you like what you hear. It really helps us to get the word out, get featured, and get more people to listen in. Also, please check out our website, beyondoceanpodcast.com.